Hello and welcome to the Charles Cook Podcast. The focus of this podcast is state and local issues here in the state of Tennessee. Uh, today, my guest is Eric Water. He is a campaign manager and consultant uh, here in Tennessee. And one of the things that is uh, near and dear to Eric and myself is uh, civil asset forfeiture. Uh, it's something that is used all throughout the country, and it is uh, used here in Tennessee, but many people do not even know what it is, and I actually uh, talked to uh, a police officer, and he was surprised to even know what it was, and uh, so we're going to talk about this. Welcome, Eric, and uh, let's let's start talking about uh, this civil asset forfeiture and what it means to uh, folks uh, when it comes to law enforcement and their property. Well, thanks for having me on, Charles. And uh, yeah, this is an important issue. First time I actually heard about it, uh, Washington Post ran a series of articles in 2014. And when I first read the articles, I couldn't even believe that they that this existed in the United States, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, you briefly talked about what civil asset forfeiture is, but it's people, you know, citizens in the United States who are having their property seized and then forfeited, uh, basically taken. That's that's like a legal term um, taken for good from them uh, without a criminal conviction. And in many times the case like, you know, you have a court case. The case is against the property itself. Right. So five hundred dollars cash or a vehicle. Uh, it's it's not actually a criminal charge against uh, the person. And and just to be clear for anyone listening and watching, you know, there's a there's a criminal forfeiture process where someone is convicted of a crime and property involved in that crime is forfeited. And that's something that you and I, you know, there, there's no disagreement on, you know, uh, when it comes to law enforcement or you know, the, the legal side of it, uh, the constitutional side of it, I should say. Um, but the major problem happens when you have, uh, you know, property of person not even convicted of a crime. Maybe the person was not even anywhere in the, you know, the vicinity, the, uh, the location where the crime happened. Right. I mean, they're sitting at home. Someone used their vehicle for something that they were unaware of. And next thing you know, they're getting a notice that there's a case against their vehicle. Yeah. So, and when you and I had started looking into this here in the state of Tennessee, um, you know, we were surprised to some of the things that we'd saw. And, uh, you know, any, anything from uh, traffic stops going on the west side of the interstate going out of Tennessee on 40, and letting the drugs come in on the eastbound lanes, but trying to catch the cash going out. And, and that's big as far as drug drug interdiction units and stuff. But uh, when it boils down to it, we see it happening at a local level as well. So you have the state officials with the interdiction units, but you also have local law enforcement doing it as well. So, and we've seen some of the cases here actually we had one in in Sevierville that you know about and uh basically so uh, everyone can understand uh 
they can take your property if even without arresting you here in the state of Tennessee and the United States of America under civil asset forfeiture. And so if you're driving, say you're going to drive to, if you're here in East Tennessee and you're, uh, let's say you're in Greenville, Tennessee, and you're going to drive to Nash, uh, to Knoxville to, um, buy a used car and you got cash on you and somewhere on the interstate you get pulled over maybe you were speeding you know uh and when they pull you over for speeding they start questioning you and saying hey uh i noticed you got an envelope there with some cash in it uh laying on your seat there what's that money for and, and so then they deem that that money may be used to purchase drugs or, or in a drug inter, uh, transaction. And they seize your money without even arresting you or charging you with anything. People don't know that this actually happens here in the state. And we've seen it happen, We right? Correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's, uh, there's real life examples people can read about in Tennessee. Uh, if you look at the, um, like the, the total data, uh, typically on a given year, it's about $15 million of cash plus individual property items, right? And that could be construction materials. It could be, you know, it, it could be guns. It could be, uh, like I said, vehicles are very common too. And then the other thing that they do in Tennessee is, um, you know, the, the civil forfeiture process can take sometimes, you know, months, six months, nine months. Well, if you're a person living paycheck to paycheck and they take your vehicle and you need to get to work, right? What they will do is they will offer a settlement. And so they will say, look, you know, if you uh, give a uh, donation to the local police force of $500 or $1,000, you know, we'll give you the keys back to your vehicle. You got to sign this form and, and, you can go on your way. Well, what are a lot of people going to do, right? They're going to, they're going to, you know, pay that thousand dollars and just be done with it instead of waiting months for a civil administrative hearing. And that's another thing people need to understand. You're not going in front of a judge. You're going in front of a, a uh, hearing officer uh, that's administered by the department of safety, which you know, is one uh, uh, an entity that has a uh, self-interest in this. And so it's it's really the, the deck is stacked against people. And another thing people need to understand is we're talking about on average, whether you're looking at the average or the median amount, these are very low numbers. Uh, we're not talking about $250,000 cash holes. No, we're talking hundreds of dollars, low thousands of dollars a lot of times. And so if you get pulled over and someone takes $500 of cash, and, you know, you live out in Johnson City and they're saying show up to Knoxville. Right. And so now you're going to take a day off of work, drive all the way to Knoxville. You know, you're definitely not going to hire an attorney to try to get five hundred dollars. Most likely what you're going to do is you're going to write it off as a bad day and move on. And you had a very bad experience. And that's what you're going to do. And then and then. So what are you going to do? You're going to do a no contest, you know. Yeah. And one one thing that they try to spin uh, when something like that happens, well, they must have been guilty because they didn't come and fight it. 
Well, yes, it was going to cost you more to fight it than it was to lose it. And one of the other things you gave the example of a of a car or a vehicle. Let's say you had uh, ten thousand dollars in cash on you that you were going to purchase a uh, used vehicle with. Well, they may say, "Let us keep three thousand dollars, and we'll give you the other seven. Yeah, yeah. So, and another you- thing people need to understand too is. This is not, again, this is not in a court. There's no such thing as beyond a reasonable doubt. There's no such thing as innocent until proven guilty. You actually have to prove that the property is innocent. And also, it is preponderance of evidence, which means like, you know, essentially 50% plus one. It's not even clear and convincing. And, uh, you know, so the, the deck is, is stacked. And that's another reason why some people are probably not going to bother, especially if they give one call to an attorney who's aware of the situation and the attorney explains all the legal background. Yeah. And very few we've known of at least one has done it pro bono uh, that uh, took a lady's case and helped her get her her money back. And it was right at twelve thousand dollars out of Sevierville. So uh, we know that that happened. So um, you're 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 guilty until you prove yourself innocent, and we know here in the United States that is unconstitutional. And this has been going on. It started in the '80s, really uh, went on steroids in the '90s with the Biden crime bill, and we see this happening uh, all across the country. If you uh, get on YouTube, uh, search civil asset forfeiture, and you'll be surprised what you find on this. So, and I do remember, Eric, when we first uh, started running our first bill to try to do something with this in Nashville, I believe if, if correct me if I'm wrong, they believe, I think they said if, if this went from, uh, where they had to have a a an arrest and a conviction that over 60% of the uh, cases, they would not be able to meet that standard. Is that correct? Yeah, it was something in their own bill analysis. It was something right. to that effect where, yeah, they it was, it was that 60% number. Yeah, and, and in some of the other research, research that you've done, I, I remember that um, the medium uh, forfeiture was like less than 600 bucks. Yeah, that was something the Institute for Justice did. And, you know, that's that's something that should definitely be emphasized with anyone watching and listening is that, you know, we're talking very low amounts. This is not cartel dollars. This is, you know, mom and pop dollars. This is guy driving to pay his monthly rent dollars. You know, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. And so, and I also remember uh, when we went to Nashville, you know, first it was, well, if we do away with this, uh, we'll never be able to defeat the cartels. Well, you're not going to defeat the cartels by taking less than 600 bucks median seizure, seizure. And then once people started getting onto this and, and recognizing what was happening, then it was, well, we're not going to be able to fight, uh, uh, child trafficking or sex crimes if we do something with this. And 
you know as well as I do, when we first started going to Nashville and meeting with legislators, many of them had never heard of this. Yeah. And they were surprised that something like this could actually happen here. And, you know, and as I told you, I spoke to a, a former police officer who uh, never even heard the term civil asset forfeiture. And many people don't even know that it's going on here. So what what do you see? What's going on now in the state? Is there anything going on uh, this year to address any of this? Or, or is there anything out there that's trying to make it worse or better? Yeah. Yeah. So those are great questions. And, you know, just there, there has been some minor reforms done in 2015. There's been some reporting bills that have really shed some light. And when you've seen the ed, the evolution of these reporting bills, I mean, it must have been the wild, wild west before they started shedding light as far as what they were taking and what they were using and whatnot. Um, and there's been some minor reforms. We're chipping away at it. Uh, one of the bills that I've been working on now for the last four years is we're one of three states that uh, require someone to pay a $350 bond for each property item they're trying to get back. So let's go back to our example. You know, a police officer takes $500 from this individual that's in Johnson City is telling them, all right, this is the deal. You can you can contest this. You can prove the property's innocence. You got to pay a $350 bond, you know, and then you got to drive all the way to Knoxville, you know, and, and again, that's just insane. In some instances, the $350 bond is higher than the value of the property. Like what, who would pay that? That's, you know, and we're one of three states. That was something that the Beacon Center came out. Uh, they were part of a study of research. And so I've been working on with that with Senator Frank Nicely, Representative Rusty Grills. We get great support on the bill, the idea it passes unanimously through committees. We get co-sponsors where we get held up is on the budget, you know, because under the Tennessee's fiscal note rules, removal of the bond is uh, is uh, I think the fiscal notes about somewhere in between three hundred and four hundred thousand dollars. Right. Because they no longer get that money. And so that's holding it up on the fiscal note, which is crazy because I think we're at a state now where. You know, we're we're easily, you know, spending ten, tens of billions of dollars. Uh, I think the last budget we were what, at least fifty five billion, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, maybe even sixty five. But I hate to say that number and be wrong. But at the very least, we were over fifty five and did yeah. not. You know, this is something that impacts thousands of Tennesseans every year. Right. We're not talking about a few hundred people, thousands. And to not, you know, pay a fiscal note of, of 300, you know, thousand or 400,000 for justice is, uh, is a sad statement. And so still working on that. I think there might be a way to, um, you know, basically get a charge back to the agencies that are, are profiting from this to, to cover that fiscal note. Uh, we'll see, you know, what happens this year. But then the other thing you, you asked about, is there something that, would expand civil asset forfeiture and there actually has is a bill that people should be aware of it's house bill 908 by uh Gillespie out of uh, west tennessee he has an issue with drag racing in shelby county and so his solution which is a bad idea is to 
uh, allow more vehicles to be seized. So anything that's suspected to be involved in a drag race um, should be seized and then, um, you know, forfeited. And uh, again, you know, while some people who may have had history with a bad experience in um, drag racing, uh, maybe a family member that even had property damage or life taken, uh, which is tragic, um, you know, understand that there, there are instances that have happened in Tennessee where the actual car owner was not even in the area when a crime happened and now they're having their property seized, right? right. Uh, they give their keys to their son or daughter and then they go and do something, right? Or somehow a friend, you know, a friend of the the, the daughter, the, a friend of the son does something with the ve vehicle that they shouldn't or has something in the vehicle that they shouldn't. And now that parent is paying the price um, and regardless of anyone's opinions on parenting in the United States of America, you cannot take someone's property without due process. Right. So, uh, you know. Yeah. And I think we, we heard of a case of that, um, where a father or lady son used a vehicle, the son picked up a friend, friend had some drugs on him, uh, there was a stop. the The car was seized, and that was one of the only vehicles that the uh, family had, and they needed it. And they had to go through months of of the the process to try to get the vehicle back. And then when they did, they were they were basically made an offer to to deal with them to make the donations and stuff. That's so it can happen to anyone, and. Uh, you know, and as you said, it, it uh, a lot of times it's not even a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money, a lot of money to me, but not not what uh, what the folks would want you to lead uh, lead you to believe that it was going to uh, hurt the cartels or something. Yeah, drug dealer money, and and that bill HB nine zero eight. It's uh, currently assigned to the House Criminal Justice Committee. It was scheduled to be uh, on the calendar uh, tomorrow, the sixteenth. One legislator told me though that it was going to be taken off notice, and and then of course with the weather now, it's likely canceled this week. I will say that this bill came up in committee last year. And there were some representatives like Bud Halsey, Monty Fritz, uh, Lowell Russell, who stood up and and had serious concerns about expanding civil asset forfeiture. Uh, during that hearing, you know, it was brought up that part of this issue is the Shelby County DA's not enforcing um, the criminal side of it. Uh, when it comes to the drag racing and, and there were even legislators who offered like, Hey, if we want to do something about drag racing, let's increase criminal penalties. Right. And if somebody yeah. is killed during a drag racing, let's increase penalties. But why are we trampling the constitution? You know, um, it, it just makes no sense. It, it just seems like they should stick to the criminal side of it where I think it will actually, you know, curb the problem. Right. Well, I think we can understand how a bill like this uh, comes into into the thought process. I think we need to go back and, and 
make sure people understand um, what is actually, who gets this property when it is seized uh, and make sure that people understand that this, all, all this property does or cash or whatever is seized does not go to the state of Tennessee. It goes to the seizing agency. So if it's, if let's say it's, um, you know, we live here in East Tennessee, let's say it's a Jefferson city police department. If the, if that officer for the Jefferson city's police department seizes $2,500 in cash, it doesn't go to the state. It stays with the department. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Now we're talking about in general, it has nothing to do with that bill, but the, the way the practice works is yes, the, the, the seizing agency gets the forfeited funds or they get the property, which then they can auction off and get the funds or use the property themselves. There's no legislative oversight on how they're using the property. So if your listeners Googled uh, Reason Magazine many years ago, they uh, reported on an actual audit that happened in Tennessee and it was like over a hundred thousand dollars. They were spending it on hotels, food, you know, going out to eat, um, you know, so again, you know, you're kind of like, well, what, like what's, what's the motivation, you know, why would the law enforcement agencies want this? And again, I think the vast majority of law enforcement people are not aware of this, but why do some of the leadership want this? Because it's, it's a slush fund. It's their own personal fund. They get to do what they want. They don't have to answer to a mayor. They don't have to answer to, you know, a city council. Uh, this is it, you know, it's, it's so. Yeah. And uh, so, and even if I, if I get a nice vehicle, uh, they can actually seize that vehicle. And if, if no one comes to fight for it, they can actually use that as a department vehicle, uh, as an undercover vehicle or whatever. Even we've even seen in cases looking into this where TVs were taken from homes. Yeah. TVs yeah. were taken from home and used at the department and no arrest was made during the seizure. I mean, in America, this is, this is called stealing is what it is. And so, and many people do not know that this actually happens. So that's why I wanted to cover this and, and let it be known that this actually happens right here in Tennessee in your own backyard and you don't even know it. And a lot of times it's happening on the side of the road. Uh, when th when you go by a car that's pulled over, uh, that driver may drive off, but it may drive off without no cash. Mm -hmm. And if any of your listeners want to do further research, Institute for Justice has a lot of great information on it. Uh, they do, you know, they they talk about examples around the nation. But then if they want to uh, Google, too, uh, there was a News Channel 5 out of Middle Tennessee has done uh, some really good um news coverage on this, you know, and, and really across Tennessee. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. one of the biggest one cases the biggest that cases people that people got uh, information on and, and got in the news was, uh, I think there was a uh, an Iraqi war veteran who lived in Texas who was going to move to like Washington or Oregon. And he had 
all this money saved, cash saved, and he was as he was moving, uh, moving out to I believe it was Washington, he got stopped and had like ninety thousand dollars in cash on him, and they took all of his money without even arresting him. I think you can you can Google that, look it up on YouTube, and find it. Um, another one was two poker players that were on their way from Idaho to Vegas had cash and got stopped and they took their money. Uh, so it's all across the country. It's not just here in Tennessee, but it's happening right here in your own backyard and people don't know it. And so they, they need to understand what's going on here and know how unconstitutional this stuff is. So anything else you want to add, Eric, before we close this out? No, that's pretty much it on this issue. You know, it's actually the, uh, the majority of the people who do not know about it is actually one of the biggest reasons it still exists uh, because, uh, you know, like as you mentioned, there's even legislators that are still not aware this is happening. Yeah, and we've sat there in their office and, and they scratch their head and say, really, this is happening here? Yes, it is. And, but one thing I do want to put out here in, and like I said, many uh, street patrol officers, some don't even know what this is. That's a good thing. That means that probably they've not been involved in this. But the biggest lobby against ending civil asset forfeiture, not criminal asset forfeiture, don't have a problem with someone who's convicted of a crime losing the property that took part in that crime. The civil of this, the biggest lobbyist against this is law enforcement to, to against ending this because the, in the end, this money goes straight to their agency, their department, and that's money that's not in their budget. It's money that they can use at their discretion. And as Eric said, the mayor or the city council or uh, the county commission no one knows that that money's there and they can use it for whatever, whatever they deem necessary. So that's why a lot of the stuff flies under the radar. And we want you all to know about it and talk about it here because many people don't know this. And I will add this. You need to share this video with your friends and say, and like-minded people and say, did you know this was happening right here in the United States and even in Tennessee and maybe even in your own county or city. So with that, Eric, you got anything else? That's it. Thank you again for having me on. Well, I appreciate you joining me, uh, my friend, and, and everything. We'll have you back on and talk about some other topics. I know that you're involved in a lot of things and got a lot of knowledge and everything, so I appreciate you joining me today and, and helping me get the information out on this issue. So uh, with that, everyone, we thank you for joining us and watching uh, share the information and people need to know what's going on. Uh, have a great day. God bless you. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Bye-bye.